Let's pray. Today, Lord, we are indeed thankful and grateful to you for the privilege of being here. We thank you for what you're doing for the ministry and the body of Christ. We thank you for the members, the people. Heard it said that if you have no one following, you are just taking a walk. Today we thank you for people. There are people still coming into the kingdom. There are people that are still on the outside making their way in. And we pray that we will receive people with open arms, yet not compromising the word of God, but being open to receiving people. We thank you right now for the privilege that you have given us, and we pray that you will lead us and teach us and guide us. We do give you all the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Turning your Bibles to the book of Matthew, this is going to be at least two parts. Part one, I'm only going to be able to get through a few verses today, but Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 28, and then I'm going to also read Matthew chapter 10, verses 38 and 39. Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 28. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father. And then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Turn back in Matthew to chapter 10. Verses 38 and 39. Matthew 10, verses 30. Actually, yeah, I'll read 10, 38 and 39. And this is what it says. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For those writing down the scriptures, you'll find the same story that we read in Matthew 16. In Mark chapter 8, verses 34 through 38. And Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 26. As a title... Part one, if you are going to follow Jesus, you've got a cross to bear. If you are going to follow Jesus, 
you've got a cross to bear. While there are other scriptures that I wrote and have here, for the sake of time, I'm not going to give those now or read them. They may be a part of um, other readings as I go through this next week or when the message is on the website. It will include the additional scriptures. Our culture holds an antithetical, which means opposite, view to what Christ values. While we live in a world that God has created, he has instructed us to hold lightly to the things of this world in comparison to his kingdom. We are often faced with decisions of choice, one thing over another or one thing over against another, and it often involves choosing that which is right to the world and wrong to God. It is clear that God's word and what the world's word is are in deep conflict. There is no bridging that gap of God's word and the world's word. To value worldly possessions and to pursue things with such vigor and neglect that which honors God has caused many people to stand at the crossroad of life and choose that which is temporal above the word of God and the cross that one must bear. Point number one, you cannot follow Jesus in the least restrictive way. You cannot follow Jesus in the least restrictive way. That will be coming from Matthew 16, 24 and 25. Now, now we don't want to forget that it was Peter who wanted Jesus to follow the path of least resistance. It was Peter that came to the Lord and said, no, no, you're not going to die. He was the one, in fact, that rebuked Jesus right, right after telling Jesus that he was the Son of God. And Jesus turns around and rebukes Peter. But Peter wants Jesus to take, to take a path of least resistance. That's what the world wants the church to do. Why doesn't the world appreciate the church? Because the church is opposed to the things of the world. We walk different paths. They want you to compromise. And if you say things that they don't agree with, they'll come after you with a vengeance. We must not forget that it was Satan who had slipped in and was leading Peter who tried to keep Jesus from dying. The Lord has now expanded his teaching when he had asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And then it came down to, well, who do you say that I am? As we deal with this passage here that we read today, not only are the disciples here, but when you look at Mark and Luke, you will find that Jesus is now speaking to the crowds in addition to the disciples. But Matthew says to his disciples, but we know there's a larger crowd that he's now addressing. 
He has expanded that. And, and he tells them in this verse of 24 three things that they are to do if one is to come to Jesus. You just can't come to Jesus any old way or any time you feel. It is Jesus that draws you to him. And he tells you that there are three things. The first that he mentions here is that one has to deny himself. Now this goes against every fiber of our being. We don't like denying ourselves. We are told to place an important value on ourselves in society. We tell little children as they grow up, affirm yourself, have wonderful self-esteem. And then they'll tell you, don't, don't spank little Johnny. Don't tell that little two-year-old who does not know anything but know and give me in mind. And his ego is all about me, himself. And parents say, I don't know what to do with him. He's only two. The world tells you, oh, let him express himself. Jesus is not telling one to have false pretensions of denial as if one is going to gain some kind of brownie points with Christ. You don't deny yourself as, as if, oh, I'm going to deny myself and, and just have everybody look at me and say, woe is me. No, it's not a false sense of humility. But it is the denying of oneself in order to come to Christ. You have to give up in a giveaway. We said this morning, I give myself away to Jesus. I give my passions to him. I give my life to him. My life is not my own. I belong to him. Therefore, I make myself do things in this body that I may not want that will honor and please him. Denial of our wants is the first in the list of coming to Jesus. He says, if you're going to come to me, you've got to deny yourself. And unfortunately, many have not been able to get past this first word. Can't even get to number two. They can't deny themselves. In fact, all three things that Jesus said are intertwined into this one verse. Deny, deny. Why is it so difficult to deny ourselves for that which is better? Because we are selfish. We would prefer to do it our way rather than doing it Jesus' way. If there is a desire to come after Jesus... There is no free ride without bearing a heavy cost. Do you not know if you come to Jesus, there's a cost to pay? Stop, tell, stop letting people tell you, oh, you just come on to Jesus and everything will just be all right. Yes, that's true, but it does not mean your problems are going to all go away and vanish. You're going to have a whole new set of issues and things you've got to deal with. But, The first way and the first thing that you've got to know is that when you deny yourself and you come to him, everything will be taken care of by him, whether you like it or not. 
You see, many people come to the Lord when they get into trouble with the hopes of getting out of trouble or reducing the penalty of their deed. In other words, they say, oh, things are going terrible. I need to come to the Lord. And so the, their problems, they say, I need to come to the Lord with the idea and the hope that this will make things easier. But... Not necessarily, because when you come to the Lord, you transfer, yes, your problems to Him, but then He's going to place His burden upon you. But the Bible does say that His burden is light. That's a wonderful exchange. You see, many people think there that when they come to Christ, that they're going to lose something. Well, you are. You're going to lose your selfish interest if you really come to him and give yourself to him you're going to be willing to work on giving that to him you're going to you're going to look at and understand that what i have belongs to god even when i don't see how things are going to work out at the end of the month i trust the lord with my finances i'm faithful in giving to him I, 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 when I come to the Lord, I'm going to deny myself the very things that I have found comfort in. If it is displeasing to the Almighty, I'm denying myself. Yet, the opposite of what people who come to Christ, the opposite of what they are coming to Christ for is what he says. Now, let me say this. When people come to Christ... They say, I want life to be easier, but the Lord says there's a cross to bear. You're going to deny yourself, but you're, you're, you're going to need to understand you've got to bear a cross. Christ says that you need to deny yourself and come with the mindset of dying if that is what he calls you to do. You come to Christ with the mindset that I am prepared to give up my life. The second thing that he says that one must do if they are to come to him after denying oneself is to take up your cross. Hmm. I see people with crosses at times around their necks, and that's good. That's fine. There are people who wear a cross sometimes religiously as if a way, as if it is a way of protecting them. But it, but it really can identify a person in the sense of I am identifying symbolically with the Lord. But oftentimes, that's not the case. People have, have so made the cross insignificant in what Jesus has said. They have said, oh, everybody's got a cross to bear and you've got one too. As if the little problems you go through are the cross that he's talking about. But in that first century, they understood that the cross meant death. And even Christ has not even brought up the cross and how he's going to die yet. But he says, if you're going to come after me, you've got to deny yourself and you've got to bear your cross. It was understood that when a person was going to die, they had to bear the cross beam of that cross. They had to carry it themselves. When a criminal or a person that was sentenced to death by Rome, 
that cross being was placed upon them. Why? It was signifying symbolically that that person was under submission to Rome, even though they may have been resistance. It was a forceful submission imposed. Carrying that cross meant they were surrendering to Romans' rule. Rome's rule. And they knew that they who were carrying that cross, it meant they were on their way to death. They weren't, they weren't carrying that cross to have some fun going down, you know, the street to play a little game. Let's carry the cross today game. No, they understood it meant death. It was Jesus who after saying that he was going to die, and he knew that it was on a cross, even though those whom he was speaking to did not know, he tells them that if they're coming after him, there is a cross to bear. There is death that could be the result. But whatever that cross is that you are called to, that's what you must bear. Now, now when Christ told the group there, he had said this right after telling the disciples, now, I need to warn you and let you know I am, I'm, I'm preparing to die. I'm getting ready to go to the cross. And then he then tells the people that if you're going to come after me, you've got to deny yourself and you've got to pick up your cross. When the Lord said certain things, it caused some people to walk away and leave. He said, that's not a price I want to pay. That's the second thing. The third thing that Jesus mentions, if one is to come after him, is that one must then follow him. You are not always going to get pre-directions to where Christ is going in your life. Stop asking, Lord, tell me exactly where you're going so I can follow. No, he's not going to let you always know. Your direction comes from the word of God. There are times when you need directions and you seem to be at a standstill in your life. Saying, Lord, what are you doing? What do you want me to do? And sometimes it seems like literally you just have to stand still and wait. There are some people always on the move and they're going around in circles. There's a song that says going around in circles for those back in the old days. Following Jesus is the cost of coming after him. You follow the path that he leads. You follow the path that he, that he gives you. And it's not always just following behind, as I saw one commentator say, but it's also following right alongside Jesus, walking with him. But you're not leading this charge. You're not the one that's out ahead of Jesus. Come on, Jesus. And here Jesus took a detour somewhere, and there you are looking for him. Well, I guess, I guess he went a different way. I'm just going to keep on going. I know where I'm going. And there you are down the road at a dead end. I was, going, I was going to work just this week. Now, I don't know if this car knew, but it was early in the morning. And as I'm coming down the freeway, I noticed this white car. On the side of the road, going and zooming up down this, this front of the side road. And as he's zooming, I'm thinking, well, where's that person going? 
I don't think that road goes all the way through as they're doing construction right now. And lo and behold, as I'm going, he then passed me, and I'm thinking, wow, I guess he does. And all of a sudden, I saw this car come to an abrupt stop. I saw him backing up and turning around because he hit a dead end. He's got to go back and get on the freeway and go where the road is leading him. There you go. Might have been you, Phil, I saw that day. <laughs> now, wasn't you? I, I think, you know, man, there's all this traffic. I see all these cars going. I've done this now. And, and here I am. I'm driving. It. You know, well, it looks like that person may be going in the direction that I want to go. And I get behind that person. He must know a way that I don't know. And I'm following the person. Oh, man, he don't know where he's going either. And I got to turn around and come back. Or this person is going home. Here I am trying to find my way. And lo and behold, I got to go back to where I started. And now I'm later than I wanted to be. And I'm further back than I wanted to be. Following Jesus means you follow him even if he does not go in the direction that you want to go. Stay behind him. Stay right with him. Follow me. There is a deliberate attempt by some people to take Jesus' words and use them in every wrong way imaginable. They cry uh, to use his word to do strange and bizarre things. There are some people the Lord is leading them to do all kinds of things. And I'm sometimes looking with a puzzled look. What are you doing? What are you thinking? The Lord is speaking to me. And sometimes it's just strange. Now the Lord will do strange things at times. But there are times when we go on our own way saying that we're hearing God and we're not. We need to follow him. Now, you don't always know, as I said, which way he's going. you got to be open to what the Lord is saying. But following Christ does mean that your allegiance to him supersedes any and everything close to you. Even your own will and family. If a family member does not want to follow Christ, you should not be staying home to keep them company if they don't want to go to church. You ain't going to church today? I ain't going to church today either then. No, 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 no. You need to get up and go. Following Christ takes precedence over everything and you have to bear your own cross. There's a cross for everyone to bear. Now in verse number 25, let me read that again for you. And this is what it says. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. We have here what we call a paradox. It is a statement that seems to contradict itself. Nevertheless, it may be true. When I'm sometimes doing counseling, in the, in, in the earlier days, uh, there, there was a very special te technique developed and so more promoted by a person by the name of Salvador Mnuchin, and it was a matter of paradoxes. The Lord gives a paradox here. While people are trying to save their life today, they're actually losing their life. 
And those who are losing their life in Christ are actually finding their life. The Lord is not talking about taking unnecessary precautions or doing things that's ridiculous and, and, and dangerous. If there's a locomotive coming at you, move. Don't say that the Lord is calling me on to glory. Get out, get off the tracks. There are people today who somehow and sometimes feel that the Lord is giving them dangerous things to do. We need to preserve our life. We need to take the steps to do what we need to do. Self-preservation. In other words, what we do is when there's danger, we get out the way. If there's a dog coming after you, run. Sometimes they say, stay still. Now, I've, I've done that before. You've got to be careful. And if he's far enough away, you can get away. But sometimes if he's close, you, know, you, you might need to be still. But you're not, I, I tell you, there's been some dogs that, I, that has come, come after me, and I'm here, hi, doggy, hi, doggy, nice doggy, hi, woo, 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 woo. hi, doggy. And that doggy, hi, doggy, whose dog is this? Hearing my heart beating as fast. We need to make sure that we get out of the way. We don't take unnecessary risk in doing things, and we need to take necessary precautions. Tell you sometimes we get spooky when we get saved and come after the Lord. We need to make sure that we're following him in the direction that he is leading. Bankrupt philosophies that so many people hold are diametrically opposed to the life of Christ and will ultimately result in a soul being lost. You see, when the world goes after worldly things, they cannot at the same time be going after the things of God. If the Lord has come into your life, you are a changed person. You may struggle with things, but please don't tell me that, oh, I continue to sin just like I was unsaved. That, but wait a minute, hold on. Who's on the throne of your life? When Christ steps in, there's a change. There's a battle that goes on and wages in you. Paul had to deal with that in life. But when you come to Christ and you submit your will to him, he doesn't take everything away from you that's been a problem in your life. But when you come to him and you present yourself to him and give your life to him, there's something incredible that happens that the Lord and only the Lord can do. Soul of a person who is surrendered to Christ will be found saved. They will be saved, surrendered to Christ, surrendered to him. When we give our lives to Christ, it automatically means that we are no longer living for the world. You see, the world wants you to live a compromised life. I tell you, in most cases, the way that Hollywood goes is the opposite direction that you want to be going. In most cases. Their philosophies and beliefs, for many of them, are not often according to the word of God. You want to be popular? Follow Hollywood. You want to be unpopular? And have life? 
follow God. People that spout things against the word of God will ultimately have to pay a price in the end if they don't repent. Point number two, and I have to soon be out of here. Get it right or you will have hell to pay. Get it right or you will have hell to pay. Verse 26 of Matthew 16. The two questions that Jesus asks are what we would call rhetorical questions. The answer is implied in the question itself. There is nothing in this world that is more important than your soul. Nothing. Think about this. The richest man in the world, possibly Bill Gates, only owns a portion of things in the world. Warren Buffett only owns a portion of things in the world. What would it profit a man if he gained the whole world? Now, many people would want to have the wealth that Bill Gates has. But he doesn't own the world. What would it profit a man if he was to gain the whole world? Look at verse 26. And then he says, For... What would it, would it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? That's a question. The rhetorical question, what the response would be, he would gain nothing. What would it profit? What would profit? What profit, I should say, would it be if one was able to gain the entire world's riches and not be found to have taken up the cross And following Jesus, it would be hell to pay. Or what exchange could one offer for their soul? What could you bargain with with your soul? You see, there are some people who don't have money, so they want to barter something, their time, something. What can I do and give you in exchange to get something else? They barter. What are you going to bargain with when it comes to your soul? The Lord poses this question. The next part is is kind of getting to the same thing. Or what would a person even give in exchange for their soul? You see, if you make this world your primary goal, you will be lost. And yet people are speaking about gaining heaven... When their pursuit has only been the accumulation of the things of the world. They're talking about heaven, but the accumulation has only been for the things that are here, that are temporal, that you can't take with you. There was a person that was buried in his car. Wealthy man, I want to be buried in my car. People are bargaining with their life and not pursuing Jesus. Gain of what the world has to the exclusion of going after Christ will result, will result in loss here. And yes, there will be hell to pay. Can you imagine that one thinks they are right with God? They have bargained their soul for the things of the world. And then they stand and think, I'm going to enter in. Why would a person want to be with Jesus 
when they've never been with him at all throughout their life. There comes a time when a person changes and turns, maybe even on their deathbed. God takes that and, and brings salvation. He offers them that opportunity. But people who would say, I would rather take my chances. Let me throw out a question to you. Can you tell me when a person dies, when the Lord ceases to be? Can you tell me a person that has died? I don't care, the, oh, even the oldest person. Can you tell me a person that has died that also has resulted in the Lord dying? Is there anybody in history that you can point to that, that has lived forever and has never died? From the beginning of time, people that have denied Christ or denied God, you always hear God's still being mentioned from way back then, even to today. You see, if there's no God, there eventually has to be an end to him. Why is his name, why does it keep coming up? So if you have a beginning and an end, and God was talked about way back then, I think God is going to continue on even after you leave here. To, to, to take the chance, to take the chance and not come to the Lord, yes, there will be hell to pay. When the Lord offers life, when he says, what would you give in exchange for your soul? Nothing, nothing. There's nothing that you can give in exchange for your soul. Because it was for your very soul that Christ came to die. He, he ransomed his own blood. He gave his own self. Nothing more precious than the blood of Christ. And we're going to try to bargain with something else? So what could a person give in exchange? That is absolutely nothing. Bow your heads, please. Today, Lord, in this place, we have a great need. There is nothing that we own nor possess that you don't actually own. There's nothing that we have that has not been given to us but by you. We, we cannot claim anything for ourselves, and yet we bargain ourselves and lies and hold on rather than coming and following after you. We don't like denying ourselves, and Lord knows we don't like giving or taking up the cross. Today we pray that we will understand that there's a cross for everyone and there's a cross, there's a cross for me. We can gain this world and what if we could gain everything in the world and lose our soul? What does it profit? Lord, it doesn't profit us anything. But oh, if we could, Lord, learn to treasure those things that are eternal if we could learn to treasure 
The things that you place a value on. We pray that we will not only treasure, but we'll go after those things wholeheartedly. We pray today that in this place, if anybody doesn't know you, they'll say, yes, Lord, I'm giving you myself. I'm allowing myself to be used by you. Use me even if I don't like it. Oh, my God, may we learn how to completely surrender to you and give you the honor. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great rest of the day.